Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And man, this is Cotton Bowl week. Uh, I know the week all Ohio State fans have been waiting for. <laughs> but I figured I'd have a blast from the past as my co-pilot this week. Uh, and uh, Corby Jones, former Missouri quarterback, would back up that blast from the past uh, moniker for my special guest this week, a guy I've been working up pregame shows with 97.1 The Fan this past year, uh, pregame Ohio State shows. Uh, and he's we're going to be together, I think, again this Friday, Andy Katz and Moyer. Am I right on that? Are you going to be doing the pregame yeah, show? I'll be there. Will you be there? Yeah, I'll be there, man. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be very exciting, uh, so to speak. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I brought up the biggest – one of the greatest highlights I've ever covered, covering Ohio State football over my 40 years, was the Big Cat – coming from the middle of the field to decleat a Missouri Tiger, uh, Corby Jones, way back in 1997 at Faroe Field. The next to last time these two teams, Missouri and Ohio State, faced off. And before I get into the real introductions, Andy Casimorier, how well do you remember that moment? you got to remember it, man. It's one of the great hits in football history. Uh, I mean, it's it's shown quite a bit. Um especially now with Ohio State playing Missouri again, it's kind of been brought back into the, into yeah. the light. But um, no, it's, it's funny. Like when you, when you go around, you talk to people and you meet fans, everyone has some story or a recollection of the time that went back when I played. And it, majority of them are from this hit. And um, they may, they may not remember the name or the exact school but it's uh, they remember the hit, so it's pretty it's pretty cool to be able to leave that impact on people's lives and their memory banks and all that kind of stuff. Oh uh, man, you know it's kind of like when when Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson, right? Or Ohio State won a national championship in two thousand two or two thousand fourteen, or Andy Casimir decleated Corby Jones uh, in nineteen ninety seven. Everybody remembers those big moments. I'm not overplaying that, man. I remember it like it happened five seconds ago in my brain, uh, uh, and it's uh, it's really interesting because that was a that was an Ohio State team on the rise uh, that year. Remember, y'all were y'all were uh, that was supposed to be a sort of a rebuilding year. '96, y'all had that sort of surprise great team, but a lot all those well most of those big time players had left, and yeah. you guys were rebuilding, reloading, and you know you came within a couple of interceptions thrown by Stan Jackson maybe of upsetting Michigan and uh mm -hmm. and keeping Michigan from winning what what is still its last national championship we'll see where they go this year but uh uh where they go in the next two weeks but the bottom line is Andy give people an idea of what you remember about that play specifically because you you know obviously Corby Jones I think faded to pass I'm trying to remember exactly but then he decided to run, and then you just took one of the great lines in tackle history to run him down. What do you remember about it? Uh, well, I remember that the game was it was uh, Missouri was winning, and they weren't necessarily, you know, we would get into third down and five or six, because um, they were primarily a running team. Yeah, and and Corby Jones would drop back, uh, look at one or two guys, and then start to scramble and he had done that a number of times and um i remember just driving back in my pass coverage and then seeing him scramble um 
and for the life of me, I'm not sure how he didn't see me coming, but he didn't. And I just ran right through him. And he really wasn't um, the same after that. Even, yeah. you know, during that game, he just, and even, I, I can't remember, I think it was later that year, Missouri, Nebraska was a top five team. Yeah. I think they upset Nebraska in Missouri, and he yeah. ran all over them that game. Anyways, so he was a very, very good player, but just didn't seem to be the same after the fact. For that yes, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have been either. Most most average humans wouldn't have <laughs> gotten up from that, and then I'd have been looking for my shoes. But that's another yeah. story. That wouldn't be the first time I was looking for my shoes. But uh, that's another story. Uh, yes. Bottom line, bottom line, y'all played those guys back to back in '97 and '98, beat them both times, <laughs> and. Yep. Um, the interesting thing uh, is they, you guys, uh, Missouri and Ohio State, have only played 12 times uh, going into this game uh, in the Cotton Bowl on Friday night, uh, December the 29th, uh, in uh, Jerry World, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Uh, but the, but uh, uh, Missouri has only beaten Ohio State one time, and ironically, I happened to be at that game. That was the first year I moved to Ohio from, really? uh, from Texas. And uh, I was a student at Ohio State, and I had the worst – one one of the worst seats in the entire Ohio Stadium back then because that was before they dropped the field and raised the stands and and all that stuff and we were right at field level in the north end zone when Missouri drove down had this great drive uh, and and upset Ohio State uh, uh, with a score to touchdown Pete Woods scored a touchdown then it went for two and got the two points and upset Woody Hayes and Ohio State twenty two to twenty one I think was a score it was one point anyway but. Uh, mm-hmm. It's funny what you remember, right, from football. And what mm-hmm. I want to get to with here is y'all played them two years in a row. What did you think about back then playing Missouri? What do you remember about it? Was it – I know it wasn't a big circle on your on your schedule, but, uh, you know, they were a decent program, right? No, they were good. We knew they had good athletes. They weren't um, – you know, I, back, back when I was in school, we always play um, a couple of Mac schools. Um, I remember playing like a pit. We always have like a like a, a decent non-conference opponent. Yeah. Um, or outside, you know, like whether it be um obviously a pit or uh Missouri, uh, and playing Arizona. Um uh, we had a you know, we I think we had a decent pre uh pre-Big Ten schedule that kind of got us tuned up. Yeah. And Missouri, we knew they were good. Um Back then, they were in the Big 12. Um, so we, we weren't necessarily, you know, we didn't overlook them at all. Um, like like you said, back in 97, we were coming off losing a lot of um, veterans on the defense and even offense. So it was our first true road test in that year. And it was a little shaky until really that hit came on Corby. And then we kind of turned on the, you know, the, the – the gas and just took off from there. You know? Yeah. And we won pretty decisively. I'm not, I'm not sure if the oh, score yeah. said that, but, um, but yeah, I thought, I thought after that, that play, that kind of changed the whole momentum of the game. I agree. I mean, uh, y'all won 31 to 10, I think was the final score there. And then, uh, and then the next year in Ohio stadium, y'all beat them 35 to 14. Uh, so y'all kind of, you know, basically handled business there against Missouri. That was a long lead in a long intro, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I enjoyed covering Andy Katzenmoyer when he was at Ohio State. Obviously, remember he was a – well, in this day and age, Andy, 
you would have been a bonus baby. You know what I mean? When you came to Ohio State, you'd have had NIL deals stacked up. Oh. I think you would have been representing probably three car companies, probably a luggage company. Uh, who knows? I mean, probably an investment firm. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, you were one of the big, big uh, recruits ever uh, at Ohio State in terms of a must-get situation right out of Westerville there, Westerville South. And uh, here, here the Buckeyes are uh, coming off a loss to Michigan, six-point loss to Michigan, 11-1. and Everybody thought the world ended uh, with that loss at Michigan a few weeks ago. But now Ohio State's getting ready to play Missouri in the Cotton Bowl, a major bowl game. Back then, you know, if you didn't get in the BCS championship game back when you played, uh, then, uh, you know, the bowl, the other bowl games were still considered big time. Uh, the BCS actually started your last year at Ohio State in 1998. But mm -hmm. uh, and remember how close y'all came to making that field. I won't bring up uh, that Michigan State game. Is that okay? That's fine. It's, it's, it's still a game that I can't figure out what, what the heck happened, yeah. you know? So, yeah, yeah, you it's kind of like an auto race where you've got a big lead, and then all of a sudden your car just starts sputtering, and the guy goes right by you and wins. But, uh, yeah, that was Nick Saban. Just think, what would Nick Saban be today if he hadn't pulled off that victory? You know what I mean? You ever think about things like that? Yeah, I know that's crazy. He probably wouldn't be where he is, right? No, he probably wouldn't, but then again, who knows? You know, uh, I know. <clears throat> tricky Nicky, but uh, he's got it going, he's in it. But, uh, what reason I'm bringing you up is I want to ask you, uh, <clears throat> You endured a you endured a couple of big losses at Ohio State. You and your teammates did. What do you remember about getting getting back up for like a, the Rose Bowl, for example, in uh, nineteen ninety six? Now the caveat here is y'all had clinched the uh, Big Ten championship and a Rose Bowl berth for the first time since what nineteen eighty four, the week right. before with a win over Indiana. Then you got beat by Michigan at home. But then you go out to the Rose Bowl and you're playing, uh, you know, Jake Plummer and those guys, uh, Arizona State in the Rose Bowl. Um, I guess, I don't know. It's it, these guys, you know, there, there was some thought that this team might not be up for this Cotton Bowl, but they all swear they are as they head into it. But uh, what do you remember about getting back up for the Rose Bowl? Was it was it difficult at all? Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't difficult to get up for. Any game after you lose, um, it's you know we lost when I was there. We lost to, to Michigan in '96 and '97. Both were very very close games. Um, we went on to play in the Rose Bowl in '96 and then uh, the Sugar Bowl in '97. Yeah, and um, Neither game, like it, it didn't take, it, there was no problem about motivation for us. Um, it was more about going out and, and making sure that we show up and we do our, I mean, that's why we, that's why we went to Ohio State to go out and play the game. Um, and so I'm not sure why there's this sentiment that, that people, these players wouldn't be excited about going out and competing. Um, you know, for me, I remember after, so we beat Michigan in 98 and we, we played uh, Texas A&M in the Sugar Bowl again. Yeah. Um, and I pretty much knew it would be my last game. And there wasn't a thought in my mind that I'd miss that game. Um, so I could, because it would be my last game, you know, like it would be, yeah. it would be, it'd be a shame for me to not be able to 
have my teammates out there competing one last time and I wouldn't be there with them. So um, there's guys that may not, may not come back. Um, and for those guys, wish them the best of luck, you know, in your, in your future endeavors and in your career and all that at the same time, I mean, go out there and have fun. Like college is so college football is so fun. Like it's, it's fun as a fan now. And it is fun as a former player to watch and then thinking back and even talking to my teammates, like we had so much fun. Um, and you build these friendships for life. So it's really, it's, it's something that only a small fraction of anyone who plays football actually gets to enjoy. So for those that do like really relish it right now, because it's, it's truly special and amazing. Yeah. You go. We interrupt this very interesting program, ladies and gentlemen, with a special bulletin. Yeah. You put off buying tickets to the cotton bowl and now your family, your kids, whomever they want to go the game time app, gametime.co. That's gametime.co, not com. Gametime.co. They want to help you get there. They, they're they're here for you for that last minute emergency purchase to see Ohio State play Missouri for just the thirteenth time in history. Uh, the Game Time app is the place to go. There are get in prices uh, as as this winds up, as this winds down to the end of the week. There are get in prices still below one hundred and fifty dollars. Last time I looked, things could be wrong. Uh, but the Game Time app, GameTime.co, is the place to go. And if you download the Game Time app and you use the promo code Buckeyes, you'll get twenty dollars off that first purchase. There you go. If you're not already a member, become a member. And if you find a ticket on another app uh, of some sort that's cheaper than the one you find on Game Time and GameTime.co in the same uh, this the same general row or section. Uh, you will get 110% off the difference from game time. That's a game time guarantee. Now, of course, as always, terms apply on any kind of guarantee. So read the fine print. But the bottom line is don't, don't hesitate to turn to the game time app, gametime.co, for your last-minute ticket purchases, whether it be for the Ohio State Buckeyes or the, or the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Ohio State men's basketball team or the Ohio State women's basketball team or a concert that's coming to town soon or later. Uh, turn to the Game Time app, GameTime.co, for all your last minute. And hey, maybe you planned ahead, planned ahead ticket purchases. That's Game Time app, GameTime.co. That's the place to go. Now back to this interesting conversation I had with Andy, the big cat, Katzenmoyer. Back then, you went from college football to a big business, right in the NFL. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the 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 difference between the two was crazy. Now, uh, Andy, what, what what do you think about the current situation? I'm not getting you to kind of slam, you know, current players, current coaches, current administrators, but uh, what is your take on on a situation, number one, where you can make a lot of money in college football now with the name, image, and likeness, and yet, you know, there's still bigger money out there for the big-time players in the National Football League, and they face these uh, – they, fa they face these decisions – of you don't want to put your, you know, an average person maybe doesn't want to put themselves in jeopardy, right, for that one last one last game for good old Ohio State. Uh, but it there is a lot at stake for these guys, right? Um, of course, yes. Like it's their, um, 
you know, they're, they have goals that they have set for themselves. You know, you're talking about changing, like, I mean, the kind of money you can make nowadays in the NFL. And even, but even in college, like, is really life-changing kind of money. Yeah. Um, and the difference for me, you know, c- compared to now, obviously you have, you know, we couldn't get paid. Um, or if you did, you you ran that, you ran that fine line about getting caught. And um, so there, so if there were guys that I played with that I knew that they didn't come from means, they didn't have, you know, this was going about, you know, they're making this decision because they, they want to take care of their family, like legit take care of their family. Yeah. And for those guys, like you absolutely understand. Um, but nowadays in college, like, you know, I've seen reports from Marvin Harrison. He can make a lot of money this coming year staying in Ohio state. And that makes the decision for him and his family, I'm sure extremely challenging. Um, selfishly, I hope he comes back uh, as a, as a Ohio state fan. Yeah. Um, at the same time, he, he's going to make that hard choice for himself and kind of, you know, live with it, whatever, whatever he decides is, is the right for him, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, it's, um, I think the money that kids make nowadays, overall, it's good. It's good for, um, it's good for kids. It's good for families that, um, at the same time, there should be a lot of, there should be a number of guardrails put up. I don't think high school kids should sign be able to sign NIL deals. Uh, I know some states have allowed that. Ohio has not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the transfer portal is a mess. I think it. Um, I think there should be a um, some restriction on how much a guy can make before or girl, how much they can make before um, actually playing. You know the sport. Yeah. Um, you know, that's also protection for those that are investing in those players, but also it takes pressure off those kids from making a bad choice or, you know, getting in, basically getting in bed with someone that doesn't have their best interest in mind. Yeah. Um, I also think that there should be money. They should only be able to access so much money um, and the rest of it should be put away in some kind of fund because the reality is these kids aren't going to play forever. They may not, even if they go to the NFL, the average career is three years. Um, and so if they can go out and make that money now, great, go do it. But also be smart enough to put that money away. And so really you can't, you know, they don't, they can't get in trouble. Cause I can attest that when you, you know, I come from a family that understands money and we mean, you know, they were, they were blue class, but they understood like, um, you know, they both worked and they both understood the value of a dollar and it taught me that um at the same time you would not be amazed the people that came out of the woodwork after i went to the nfl and got a little bit of money and that kind of stuff and the the dumb proposals people gave me about giving them money and this and that um anyway so yeah like you hit the i don't want to see i don't want to see an 18 year old kid have, having to go through that but that's yeah. that's basically what i'm trying to say like if, if they if they're you know, if their school's paid for and their food's paid for, um, they don't have a lot of expenses. Like the housing's paid for. They don't need a million dollars. They don't like they don't need it right now. If you gave them an extra couple grand a month, even in this economy, like that's a lot of money to a college kid. Mm-hmm. And so if they're able to put the rest of that away and 
for a truly a rainy day whenever they actually need it after school or whatever, I think that'd be hugely beneficial for, for every, every person involved. You know, back when you were even playing though, the money was nowhere near what it is now in college football from the standpoint of television revenue, et cetera, ticket revenue, but mainly television revenue is the thing that's changed everything. Uh, as you look on it now though, whether or not you're whether you're putting it in a trust fund or not, should players now should they be benefiting um, much more? You know, you've seen the proposals out there recently where they should be where, the, where they could benefit more from just the actual money that the schools are making off college football and major college basketball. Now, uh, would you be an would you be an advocate for the players sharing in that largesse and that big pool of cash? Because really, as as good as Ryan Day and Eli Drinkwitz are, nobody wants to watch them uh, play for sixty minutes at midfield, right? Or fight? Right. Um, you know, that's a great question. I know a few years back, uh, there was a student athlete led proposal for to start a union uh, yeah. for athletes, and it got shot down. Um, I think with the amount of money that is made or that is out there. It is hard for me not not to bring that back to light and say, yeah. I mean, I think student athletes should have should have advocates for them, and they should be able to share in the in the profits. Um, it's because it is so large; it is so much money that these schools are making, and you know they they have they have representation, you know, in the room and. Why shouldn't student athletes? If anything, that yeah. also helps with maybe, maybe put some guardrails around, you know, NIL transfer portal, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you can also set up restrictions on, you know, how much money a school can actually spend um, on, you know, paying players or how, however, you know, it's, you have a salary cap and, you know, per team, per school, per whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and really, truly, you know, help the players out and, but also help the schools out because, you know, you've, we've all seen these different schools from around the country that have no problem spending the money. And if they keep that up, they'll just keep on spending and spending and spending until they win. Well, other schools just won't do that. They, they can't tap those resources. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, yes, the, 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 I give you a very long winded answer. Yes. I, I would say players should have, um, a little bit of part and say as far as how much money they're getting from these TV deals. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. I've never asked you, you know, I've talked to you many times, but would you have, uh, would you have been for, would you have advocated, you call it anything you want. I'm calling it the word contract. Would you have signed a, a contract? Would it have bothered you to have signed a three-year contract with Ohio state, meaning three years after three years, if you want to move on to the NFL, you have the freedom to do that and they can't block you. You understand what I'm saying? But also the reason I'm bringing that word up is sometimes guys get three years into their college football uh, career and they, they're they're at a place they shouldn't be or where they're not going to play, you know what I mean, things like that. It would give both sides some leeway in that kind of situation. But would you – I know you signed a national letter of intent, which colleges were using uh, basically as contracts way back, you know, even – even now, really, uh, but not, but not with the restrictions they used to have. But uh, would you have been willing to sign a contract to be at Ohio State for minimum three years? 
Um, is that what it's gonna? Is that what it's going to take? Because that's almost what you you led to right there. You know what I mean? Some type of like hold by the schools, but but when you get a hold on somebody, now you have to pay them money for them to be part of your your situation, right. your program. You know, I, I see the I see the angle you're playing, and I I don't know. Um, like right now, you know, I don't know if people think this or not, but even going back to when I was in school, like when you sign to go to any school, like it, it's a year by year basis. Yeah. Um, and every year you're signing a new contract saying that you're going to abide by, you know, whatever the rules are and um, your commitment to the school and all that good stuff. And um, as me as a player, I have the option to sign that or not. But also the school has the option to provide that or to me or not. I don't know if a, a three-year guarantee X would be the way to go or a two-year deal because there are lots of times that I've heard, you know, coaches will push out players because they realize that they're not going to, you know, make it or be successful. It also may help them open up a, you know, a roster spot and so on and so forth. Sure. So, um I don't honestly. I don't know that that answer. That I mean, that would make the most sense. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, it would obligate the school to you for three years, and you to the school for three years. You know what I mean? They would have to live up to their end of the bargain, just like you would. Uh, like you just said, people didn't know that national letters of intent were just uh, were year by year, you know, forever. And now schools basically have pledged to a. Uh, uh, in essence, honor them as long as the student, the student athlete is in good standing. But you and I both know, you know, guys have been urged one way or the other to move on because, you know, number one, you're not, you're not going to play here. So why would you waste your time here, so to speak? So that makes sense. But I'm just looking at it from just getting some type of like rope or corral around what's going on right now, but taking care of the players in the process, you know what I mean? From a, like you said, from a reunion, remuneration standpoint, that's easy for me to say, whether it be by uh, uh, contract money you would make every year or money that would go into a trust fund every year that you would be able to, you know, uh, use as you, you saw fit when you were done with your contract, but also have something to live on. Uh, you know, there are all kinds of ways they could have gone many years ago to keep what's going on now from happening, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, NCAA could have just opened their eyes and and seen kind of the future and not been so greedy when it comes to the TV money. Yeah. Um, at the same time, they did not. I don't know if they, I, I don't know what, because here's, here's to say, you know, you look at someone, I guess the hard part about that is you look at someone like, a, like an AJ Hawk, who I think was like a two-star coming out. Two or three. Yeah. And, like he wouldn't have been recruited right now to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he wouldn't. Um, right. And someone told me a story that he had to lobby to even get looked at. Whatever. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, he did. he did. He did. He knew but, how good um, he was. They just didn't. <laughs> okay. But it was one of those things. So if if AJ was and AJ turned out to be a fantastic player, as as everyone knows, um, not only at Ohio State but in the NFL. And, um, but if he had to sign a three-year deal with, with him being a two or three star, whatever he is, 
would that mean he's only going to make so much money and then can yeah. he renegotiate and like there's so many things and layers to it um but i see what you're saying like if, if ohio state or whatever school is going to commit to a player for x number of years hopefully you're they're able to review what that compensation is yeah on a year, uh, year basis and, and never go down but always go up yeah so uh, you know, yeah yeah, I always couch that whenever I bring up that kind of idea with you, exactly what you just brought up. I mean, you know, this is no offense to a third-string offensive lineman in 1998, but you were worth a hell of a lot more than that guy. You know what I mean? To the roster, to the to the wherewithal of the team of being able to win football games. And that's not knocking that guy because he's putting in his work. But, you know, you would have, in essence, like a minimum salary. The bottom line is you would share, y'all would share, players would share in the TV revenue – from that side of it, you would still be eligible to go out and get a name, image, and likeness deal or whatever you want to. But but you would be, no matter what happens to you, you would make some money from putting in the work. You know, you're, you know what I mean? Over and above your scholarship and your room and board, et cetera. And, uh, and people say, well, that's that's payment. I go, yeah, but this not the, it's not the same as it was in 1970 when the, when the schools were barely making any money on television, when bowl revenue was considered a bonus that you put away for a rainy day, the schools did. Now everything's basically guaranteed. You know, it's kind of like the NFL in that regard. Most NFL teams make money before they ever open the stadium. And uh, same with college football. I mean, uh, you know, but, you know, there are kinds of ways to look at it. I didn't mean to get mired in that, but I just, just because you were a superstar, Andy, you know, and, uh, you would have made a lot of money at Ohio State. Go ahead. But, it, but it, what you're saying, but what the what you're proposing, what we're talking about, is really exactly what happens in NFL or NBA yeah. or Major League Baseball or hockey, whatever. Like you are based, you are paid based off your performance. Some of it's, you know, obviously some of that's going to be you are compensated based on, you know, your future performance in some yeah. league, um, but you know. Shoney Otani got paid $700 million based on what he's done so far in, in the MLB. Um, crazy amount of money. Great for him. Awesome. Right. But the reality is like, you know, he's, he's, he's shown that he's, his value is that. And so if a player, and that's the thing like in NFL, like I never felt bad um, seeing someone make, make more money than me. Just because I'm like, you know, I got to go work for that. But, you know, they put the work in to make that money. I can go do that too. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, and, and that's what, uh, hopefully, if it, if it went to this model, then I think players who want to, who truly want to compete and are competitive will understand that they have an opportunity to go out and make that money too. Yeah. So yeah. And they'll step up and rise to the occasion, period. And they'll yeah. understand if, if you're, if you're a second team guy, you know, and you're not you're not getting the playing time. You got to go work for it, and then you'll get paid too. Yeah, that's funny. I brought that up with Jordan Fuller. You know, a former safety at Ohio State, now with the what the L.A. Rams, and uh, and many several years ago, back in I think 2018 or 19, and uh, and he brought up that great example. He goes, you know, wouldn't it be a wouldn't it be a problem in a locker room if like the starting quarterback is making this and the uh, and the uh, third string wide receivers making that in the corner, you know, and he goes, that's the way it is in national football league locker rooms. And uh, they seem to be able to go out and play games. You know what I mean? And right. not fight each other because they understand when you're in a locker room, 
you understand who's more important than the other guy. You're striving to get to be that guy. But, you know, that may be years down the road if, in fact, they ever get to that. Because, man, mm -hmm. this is like watching a glacier move. But you know what? Glaciers are moving a little bit faster now because of global warming. And the glaciers are moving a little bit faster now in the NCAA because of in uh, the name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal uh, collision, right? So who knows, man? Maybe you don't have to hold your breath that long. What do you think? No, I agree with you. I think it, um, you know, they're, they're making steps. Like, you know, adding, you know, going from back in my era, it was a slow move going to the BCS before it was, you know, basically a, a vote-in poll for the top two teams, the number one team in the country. Um, then I went to BCS, the championship game. Yeah. Uh, then I went to a four-team playoff. Now it's going next year to a 12-teamer. Um, th so it's getting there. Like, the, the money is definitely changing the game. Um, I just hope that, again, they, they, they hopefully they can see and forecast the future a little bit better and, you know, put some guardrails and, and really help protect the kids and the yeah. schools, you know, and all yeah. this. Absolutely. Hey, last couple of things, by the way. Uh, and uh, by the way, if there had been name, image, and likeness back in 1997, after that Corby Jones hit, your phone would have been lighting up, man. You'd have had many more opportunities to make some cash. I want to ask you this, though, now. Uh, they're going to play this game no matter who plays. It looks like Devin Brown's going to get his first start for Ohio State. You know, we're recording this uh, the week before this actually runs. Um, so, if we make any mistakes in a couple of uh, personnel we're talking about, that's just the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. But the bottom line is uh, uh, this is a huge game for a Devin Brown, isn't it? I mean, and uh, just just can you can you believe from the last time we spoke together, which was pregame for Ohio State at Michigan, and uh, Cal McCord gets hit trying to make that uh, trying to make that pass when the guy got by uh, Donovan Jackson. And hits mm -hmm. him as he lets go of the pass and gets intercepted. A great diving interception by by Michigan. Now all of a sudden, Cal McCord is gone. He's committed as we speak to uh, play for Syracuse next season and their new head coach. And now you got Devin Brown sitting here. This is just another example of how crazy things have gotten in major college football, right? I mean, Ohio State went eleven and one in the regular season. Cal McCord was twelve and one as a starter, and Evidently, both parties determined by one way or another that that wasn't necessarily good enough. Uh, right. Is it crazy to you, Andy Casimori, that uh, we're sitting here getting ready to watch Devin Brown make his first college start? Um, under these circumstances, <laughs> yes. Uh, at the same time, um, I have confidence that he'll go out and play well. I mean, he was really, you know, him and McCord were battling back and forth all in the spring and then over the summer and then even before and no one knew i remember talking to you before the very first game we're like who's gonna be the starter yeah um so but it's, it's just a so i'm not surprised that he's playing uh, i'm surprised that he's playing considering mccord has now transferred out yeah um, if, if mccord had gotten injured okay cool but um not cool but I can understand see why Brown would be, be starting, but um, in this circumstance, this is just kind of the day and age we're in. Like it's, it's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Missouri's got a player, Mookie Cooper, who uh, was part of an Ohio State recruiting class many years ago, and uh, basically optioned out and uh, went went back 
near home to Missouri. And so, you know, there are all kinds of things going on. Hey, last thing, if, if you were a young college football fan, though, growing up now, and you see these guys move, I mean, we're talking about starting quarterbacks, the kid from Duke leaving, you know, uh, the kid from Washington State, Cam Ward moving on, kid from Duke going to Notre Dame, uh, kid, I mean, well, and, uh, you know, Uli Ungalele, you know, from uh, Oregon State, he was at Clemson, and he went to Oregon State, now he's moving on somewhere else, right on, these are starting quarterbacks, Uh Man, that would be tough if you just bought that guy's jersey last year, right, and spent like uh, whatever it is you spend on jerseys these days for the, the replica jerseys, and uh, and boom, that guy you're you're rooting for that guy, and you're a young uh, young fan of that team, and now they're gone, like Kyle McCord. All these, you know, I'm sure there were some people who were rooting for Kyle McCord, all right, even mm -hmm. though uh, social media wouldn't say that. But uh, is 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 college football headed in the right direction in that regard? In your opinion? Um, I mean, what what if Andy Katzenmoyer had gotten a hell of an NIL deal in 1998? And let's say it out loud, and it came from the from Michigan, or you call it the team up north. Maybe you don't, but the bottom line is, all of a sudden you were playing for Michigan. Uh, that could happen these days. Uh, it can. Uh, for me, it, it it's hard for me to think of, like for me to think about. Once I committed to Ohio State, not playing there, yeah, uh, just because of the era that I was in and the situation and circumstance. Um, that being said, I think as far as the a fan, it's hard. I, I think it's hard to see how the, the the guys transition, you know, in and out from schools. It's also hard for me to see these players that leave schools the enter the portal that never get picked up either as a former player. Yeah. Like that's, that's like really unfortunate. Um, they've been given some really bad advice. Um, and to see them kind of just hanging out there to dry is, is never good. Yeah. Um, so for all these reasons, you know, I think that what's happening is overall good, but it needs to be really finely tuned. Um, you know, put, I mean, treat treat the portal like almost like free agency. Um, your suggestion about having a, a limit on when, you know, how long players can commit for to a certain school, like you know, they commit to a school for a certain amount of time, and vice versa. I think that's also good, um, because it's it, it's getting kind of ugly. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Is you know, the quarterback from what is it? The quarterback from Oklahoma and the quarterback from UCLA. Yeah. Are both not going to um Oregon to play? Yeah. Dylan Gabriel. Right. And you're like, okay, I mean, I get that Oregon's playing the game, which is fine. That you know they're doing what what what's allowed. But how does that I mean the quarterback from Oklahoma was a starting quarterback? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like That's what we're talking that about. Leave, where does that leave them? You know, where yeah. does that leave Ohio State with McCord leaving, going to Syracuse and what about Duke now and, you know, their situation? Like, so yeah. it's just kind of like, um, as a fan, it's, it's hard. But at the same time, fans are resilient and they, they'll they root for their team um, in the end, hopefully, no matter what. Like, they, they, they remember the players. Um, they'll remember great players. They'll remember great plays. Uh, they'll remember great games. And so – 
that's one thing giving perspective going back and you know be, me being out of the game and away, away from high state in, in the in the field for 20 plus years now wow mode um that's one thing that I know is no matter what, you know, Ohio State fans are are fans for life, and they don't they don't really waver, and they they will root for anyone that, in that scarlet and gray, and they will root for, against anyone who's not in the scarlet and gray that Ohio State's playing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, glad you know, and they'll re- hey, you re- naming these things they'll remember. They'll remember great hits like. Andy Catchmore decleating Corby Jones. I'm just keep bringing it up because I want to okay. I want to make you smile. Last thing, <laughs> this is – you remember playing that Sugar Bowl against uh, Dat Wynn and those guys, you know, from Texas A&M and stuff, and you guys prevailing, whatever it was, 24 to 14, I think was the final score. My point is, uh, like you said earlier, you wouldn't give up that memory for the world, right, of playing in your final college football game because you end up going to the NFL after that. Uh and the NFL didn't end up being what a lot of us thought it would be for you because of injury, et cetera. Um, but uh, these college memories, they live, they live a lifetime, right? I mean, they, they, they will be with you forever. Absolutely. And like, and again, and, and the friendships, the memories. Um, yeah. It's, it's the camaraderie that you, you build and uh, the memories that you have from all the effort, all the work. And it's the time when you were really, you are going from, uh, you know, a late teenager all the way into manhood. You know, like you are figuring out who you are and you are, you're doing this with the same age people and you create this special bond with with these guys that um, is so unique. It's so different. It's so... um, it's it's lifelong like there are guys that you know if i get in a jam i can truly call them and their teammates of mine that would be there and they they have been there for me you know when when things get hard and i need advice or whatever like they're there and vice versa so um and i and it's something that i i truly cherish about the experience i had at ohio state it's pretty awesome you know yeah gotcha well, we'll see who ends up getting that last uh, that last experience, that last memory for Ohio State as they take on Missouri. Uh, Andy Catchmore, though, some memories live on forever, man. And uh, uh, like I said, it wasn't just that Corby Jones hit. There were a lot of great plays by Andy Catchmore at Ohio State. He knows I'm buttering it, buttering buttering him up. I can't talk anymore, Andy. Just so I can throw <laughs> you in the toaster later, right? But uh, but Andy, thanks for joining me, man, on the Tim May Show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you then.